Hello, podcast listeners. This is Ed Franklin with the Ed Franklin No Limits podcast. Uh, you guys probably thought I quit on you, but I didn't. I know I started a new job and I was to tell you about it. And I'll tell you more about that later. But this girl here, this is my oldest daughter, Samantha DeCastro. She has her uh, daughter's um, name on her screen, but that's okay. Um, if you guys have followed me, you would know that I did a podcast with my daughter, Paige, a while back. And Two very different personalities, love the death, love them both is, you know, to death, but very different um, personalities, which is interesting in a big family, how kids grow up different, how they, how they come out differently. So uh, remember, if you have a guest you'd like to have on my podcast or you'd like to be a guest, it's edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com and my, and my uh, uh, website, which Paige helped me with is almost done too. So hi, Samantha. Hey. Coming to us from Louisiana, New Orleans. Yes. Well, outside yes. of New Orleans, but yeah. Yeah. Close enough. You do? <laughs> I know. So I miss you. I, I wish I could see you on a regular basis, but of course it's a long drive. So yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So um, uh, Samantha has one daughter, Taylor, and she's married to Ziggy, the rock. He's uh, <laughs> all rocked up all the time, embarrasses uh, all of us with his shirt off, but um, <laughs> that's what he does and he's good at it. So. Um, Samantha, um, tell us what you do, first of all, so everybody knows what you do for a living. So by day, I am the director of communications for St. Charles Parish. So here in Louisiana, we have parishes um, that are similar to a county in other states. And we have um, a parish president who acts as the CEO of that parish. And so I work closely with him and I handle all of the like, communications internally, externally, social media, emergency um, pandemics apparently now too. So right. um, I do that. And then I have a few years ago, I started a small jewelry business um, where myself and now Taylor helped me, uh, helps me make uh, jewelry from leather and polymer clay yeah. and just lightweight materials. And they're really cool. And I'll have that in my link when I post this podcast because um, Kit has some of that jewelry and some of my mm -hmm. friends too. It's very lightweight. Um, I don't wear earrings, but they're very lightweight, made out of leather, all custom made, and they're really cool stuff. So we'll get you to that website. So while you brought it up, the pandemic. So the last two years has been an interesting uh, for everybody. And um, you had to handle uh, a hurricane through that, right? Is that what mm -hmm. they call that, a hurricane? Yep. Yes. A tropical <laughs> storm or whatever, hurricane. Yeah. And that was Hurricane Ida. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty interesting. I mean, obviously, we weren't affected by it here, but you were definitely... Uh, right in the middle of this thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into the kids stuff and all that later in a few minutes. But that was just interesting to me because the way you had to handle it, you were in this yeah. level five, right, protected building and stuff. Now tell yeah, me about so, that experience. Yeah, so the pandemic, um, obviously no one alive had been through a pandemic before. So there is no playbook, no, there's no planning that we could have done for it as far as a communication standpoint. And there was a plethora of information that I think people were really overwhelmed as far as what they should be doing and um, what what is right and what is wrong. And so as a local government, they leaned on us and looked to us for what was right. Um, now, this probably happened in California as well, but I was living in my micro you know, world here. Sure. We were having <clears throat> neighboring parishes, which you know, our, the county, like 20 minutes away, different rules were happening in New Orleans than were happening well, we're, in other places. We're still doing that here, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah. 
So that was probably one of the most challenging parts because this was happening over here only 20 minutes away and you could drive there in different rules, but then over in our area it was something different. So um, that took a lot of flexibility, which I think even some people on my team were not comfortable with. Right. Um, we would say, okay, this is what we're doing. And then in three hours, it would change because something that the governor said or some new development that happened. So um, that was really challenging. That'll be something that I'll never forget. And I think yeah. I learned a lot from, but then um, dealing with hurricanes in that space made it even more complicated. So even before Hurricane Ida last year, our EOC, which is our emergency operations center, activated seven times for seven different storms. Wow. And while we were only impacted by one, we had to take all of this social distancing and masking and sanitization into account that we have never had to deal with before. So we had to like separate people, had to do like temperature checks on everyone. So it added an extra layer of stress, stress and complexity to you know, figuring out how to operate in this emergency space. Um, with Hurricane Ida, um, honestly, some of those restrictions were a little uh, le more lenient at that point, sure. but we still had to figure out how to deal with it with the public. So Hurricane Ida was the area that I'm in, St. Charles Parish's version of Hurricane Katrina, if you will. We had um, significant damage. We had no um, power for most of the parish for like 21 days. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I didn't know it was we had, Yeah. At one point, um, so we get our, our water from the Mississippi River. We have an intake, the water comes in, and then we purify it and then we, you know, send it out to the public. A barge had hit the intake for one of our, um, our water intakes. And so part of the parish had no water for a few days. So, um, or, and then we were under oil water advisory for a long time. Um, and then Okay, you just froze up for a second, but we'll see, let it get going here. Samantha, this is the second time we've tried to do this um, podcast and her uh, internet connection is not as, she's not hardwired in like I am. So um, she'll come back in just a second, but uh, yeah, she's really frozen up at this point, but hang in there. We're going to just continue to move on. She'll be back in a second. Um, so I can't even imagine dealing with a tragedy like that because here in San Diego, um, except for fires, we have not had to deal with anything like that since I've been in San Diego. And, um, and of course, oh, I just lost her, but hang on, she'll come back. So I never had to deal with anything, but the fires in, in the 2003 fires, we were right in the neighborhood where they, we lost 19 houses. Uh, a house as close as five houses away from us went up in smoke and a lot of other houses. And um, of course, FEMA was, you know, came in and uh, same thing with Samantha. FEMA had to get involved with um, their tragedy. So once we get her back here, we'll, we'll, um, we'll get going again. I might actually just edit this out, but we'll see how it goes. Um, anyway, I'm just gonna pause this for a second. Okay, a little glitch in the uh, technology there, but that's okay. We're back, and I'll edit some stuff out, so you'll still get things. So you were saying that um, – uh, what were you saying? That we were – I was talking about some of the complexities about having power oh, for yeah. 21 days. And, yeah. like, the – yeah. So one of the other things, too, is the sewer system. And you don't think about that, um, but when we don't have power, we can't 
operate our sewer system properly. So, because the sewer system, you, you know, you flush toilet goes down in this in sure. the ground, we have to like lift it and move it to you know stations where it can um, be sanitized and then put back you know out into you know the street water or whatever. Um, so we had to have generators for all of those. So then fuel becomes difficult to get. So, right. you know, we have hundreds of these lift stations around the parish. And so you don't have hundreds of generators on standby. So it was extremely challenging and very interesting to work through all of that. Um, I said goodbye to Ziggy and Taylor a couple days before the storm was supposed to make landfall. I think that was Friday. Um, and I didn't see... Uh, I didn't see either of them for like 12 days wow. um, because I was at our emergency operations center, which as you had kind of mentioned is basically a big cinder block with some bulletproof glass on it. Um, it's rated for a category five um, hurricane. So it can wow. withstand, you know, like 160 mile per hour, 180 mile per hour winds it has bulletproof glass. It's um, equipped with showers and um, a, a full kitchen and uh, sleeping quarters <clears throat> and uh, you know, laundry area so that the emergency personnel can stay there yeah. and just focus on getting the job done. Well, you know, not the Taj Mahal, but it, you know, it was good enough for when you were guys. Yeah. And I, and the only thing I could liken it to would be the fires that we had here, right, in 2003 and 2007, I believe, where yeah. at our house, you know, we were right in the middle of it on the 2003 one, not so much 2007, but um, we were not down that long. I mean, I, we were back in the house in three days and uh, had just put new glass in the house, so we had no smell. Yeah, smell I remember that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird timing, but. All right, so the meat of this thing, probably people want to know, is how has it grown up in this family, this huge family? Because mm -hmm. you have siblings on your mom's side, too, and then there were siblings on uh, the other kids' moms. And um, so Samantha was our oldest, kind of the leader in the family. Well, maybe the test bunny, too, or the test <laughs> rabbit, you know, test hamster. So all the mistakes that we made with her, we tried not to make those with the with the next kids. So um Samantha came to live with me full-time when she was 14, right, in high school. Mm -hmm. And I had seen her, obviously, quite a bit. I had a lot of visitation and used it and saw you guys a lot. So we were close still. But when you moved in, we had five girls at home. So you were the sixth girl moving in. How? What was that? I mean, what do you... Wait, so first when I moved like? in, first when I moved in, it was just three girls because Kit wasn't living yes, there yet. We weren't married yet, yeah. So it was interesting because you were kind of going, you were going through some stuff. And so I, at least I hope I did. I felt like I maybe stepped up a little bit and helped take care of um, the girls a little bit because you we had a lot of, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, but then sharing one bathroom with five girls <laughs> or with six girls, six of us, once um, Lauren and Brenna came to live with us was quite challenging sometimes, but I was a morning person anyway. So, and it worked well because I started school first. So I got in there, got my stuff done and got out. Um, yeah. And we, we fought like cats and dogs sometimes, but I think it all shaped us to be yeah. you know, who we are today. So what's funny about that is I didn't really realize how much you guys fought. And as I talked to the you kids You did it now, when you weren't there. <laughs> I know. So I'm thinking, oh man, these kids get along great, but it's just normal sibling fighting. But um, I was talking to Paige and I, we often have this conversation when the girls are over here about how much, you know, fighting there was going on and I did, I really had I was like oblivious to it I should have known it was going on I did it with my brothers and sisters but you did step up and you did help me a lot and a funny thing Piper was at uh 
her aunt's house this week and Ross had to do her hair. And I said, Oh my God, I used to butcher the kids hair, you know, when they were little, when I tried to, cause I, I don't have any hair and it's just girls hair. is very hard to manage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys had a lot of it. Well, obviously you were you know, doing your own, but I had to do those little girls for a while. It was pretty bad. Kid always, the kid always kids me about the way I dress them, but yeah um, like they're like little like boy not little yeah. boys but you know as if you would you know they had i know i would buy them bands clothes and, on stuff, and tennis but, shoes and stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah i never never put them in a dress or whatever but she helped me with that i was but, thinking um, even when i i would tell people all the time like i used to go to high school in you know rainbow flip-flops jeans that might have had some holes in them might have not had holes in it and like yeah. a surfer shirt so i mean that's kind of the style back then too but at least in, in california so well now that's the style you know i see these i'll tell you yeah, a funny again. thing I go to these networking groups all the time over the last you know five or six years and a gal showed up young gal like you know probably younger than you and she had those torn jeans mm-hmm. and i thought wow th- those really aren't business you know that tire or whatever <laughs> no <laughs> now that after i saw those everywhere i went i saw those ripped jeans and i see the kids wearing them sometimes and it's so funny because um but you know business has changed i mean i don't wear a tie anymore i have 35 ties in my yeah, there's probably 135 ties in my closet. I haven't put a tie on yeah. in years. So um, so growing up with all these kids, um, people will ask me how I was doing that. I said, I, don't, I didn't really think about it. You know, we had to make dinner for all these kids and half the time your friends were over and other mm-hmm. people's friends. So did you find that, would you have rather, and this is not a cut to anybody, had less kids in the family? I mean, did you ever think about that? Um, there might've been a time here or there where I maybe wanted more attention for like a sports thing or something, which is impossible because it was like right after school and other kids had to be picked up and other things had to happen. But it wasn't that I didn't want more the siblings there. Look, we could have a party whenever we wanted. We never had to invite anyone over. Um, you know, I think that that was amazing. I, you know, I miss not having access to all the family. Um, I don't miss all the drama all the time, but, um, you know, it was, it, I don't think I would have had it any other way, um, at all. Cause I just, I don't know. It was fine. We made it work and, um, yeah. Well, it's funny. I, you know, when I look back at my life, I don't really, yeah, I, I was kind of the same way looking back at my childhood about money and things like that and having opportunities. I mean, the opportunities were there. I, mm-hmm. I had a great time growing up. I don't, you know, I'm, I guess on paper, it wasn't a great youth, but, um, you know, we did what we had to do. And I, and I was talking to Paige and she felt like sometimes she didn't get the attention she needed. And I said, you know, I had to spread my time over a lot of kids, right. Yeah. And a wife and yep. work and I traveled and there was a lot going on, but I thought, you know, I think for the most part we had, you know, we didn't have tons of stuff, but we uh, weren't poor by any means. You know, we did we did well. And you you played a lot of sports and you were involved in academic stuff, like the yearbook and things like yeah. that. So academic. Yeah. Um, and I think we always probably, want, I was going to say, I think we always want more. I think you could ask Taylor, who is a single, yeah, sure. who is an only child here at my house and, you know, has two siblings at her dad's house who still would want more of my attention, even though she's deciding to play her piano for three hours after school in her room, you know? So we always want more, whether it's well, time or So you things. said you missed, you kind of missed the, uh, the family piece of it? Mm-hmm. The, the no, 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 now I miss, now no, I miss having, like, now. Uh, yeah. Do you miss having mm-hmm. all those people around all the time? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I do too, because obviously I have Tanner or Tanner. Geez, I do this all the time. I have Carson and Piper here, <laughs> not yeah. Piper all the time, but it is weird having one child here most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because he'll, he'll want our attention. And I mean, we give it to him most of it. It's, it's daunting. It's more daunting than when I had more kids. Because mm-hmm. you guys would communicate together and you'd get stuff done together. I didn't have to necessarily yeah. stop doing what I was doing. Right. So that was interesting. And then the last two years has obviously been another, you know, because he's been here a lot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And we take him to the gym now and things like that. So you went to um, you went to college, junior college to start with right out of Poway High. Yep. And then you went to um, New Orleans. Um, yes. And met a guy, went to New Orleans, had a child and all that, and then had a breakup. I don't hope you mind if I brought that up. And then yep, nope. you wanted mm-hmm. to stay there. So, so, you know, this podcast is about getting over limitations and you have done uh, an amazing job getting over limitations, right? You are a driver. You're, I guess if you have to look at the kids and go, you have to kind of split them up and go, okay, you're like her and you're like him. And, you know, you're like me, right? We're the driver. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, we yes. We just... We push through. Um, I've had people ask me, some of the church had gone through a divorce and he was very sad a lot, you know, upset. And he goes, why weren't you sad about that? I said, I get angry about those things. I don't get, I pout for about two minutes and then I get, then someone's going to get hurt, way. right? Oh, and well, I'm not going to hurt anybody, but. <laughs> not not yeah. physically, but then I drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm focused on. And I think yeah. you're a lot, a lot like that. So. Mm-hmm. When you did make this move and things didn't work out perfectly, what was kind of going through your mind? You know, you had to make some changes, right? Yeah. Well, part of me was uh, I had to prove some people wrong. Sure. <laughs> do it. Uh, there's a little bit of spite probably in it. And then, yeah. honestly, a couple of things went through my mind. I was like, Taylor had to have a relationship with her dad, even sure. though I did not like him at the time. Right. right. Um, and so, I knew that moving away and moving back home would have inhibited that. It would have been a knockout, drag out fight and that just was not what was best for her. I also had a really good support system here. I was working for a small um, investment firm at the time and um, my now best friend um, worked with me there and she was a manager and she and a lot of other people there really helped see me through it. They kind of knew what was going on behind the scenes before I knew really. And they even went as far as like ensuring that every item on my baby registry for my baby shower was bought. So that was important. And then I was also, you know, you talk about uh, going to junior college. I remember very vividly, and I joke with some people about this sometimes. I remember coming to you in high school and saying, dad, I know where I want to go to college. Um, you know, it's not too far away. It'll have all four seasons. It's got this really cool photography program. And I, and you're like, okay, like, where, where do you want to go? And I said, you know, Northern Arizona University. And you're like, how are you going to pay for that? And I said, you don't have a college fund for me? <laughs> well, I've talked about that on and my podcast before, but go ahead. Yeah. And you're like, uh, nope. And I said, okay, so I guess I'm going to um, junior college. So I had applied to go to LSU and to have a good communication school there. And I got accepted. But when I got here, I didn't realize how far away New Orleans was from LSU. And that commute was going to be impossible. And so, 
Yeah. It's like, it's almost, well, with traffic, it's probably almost two hours. So doing that on a daily basis was not going to work. And I moved here in 2008. So it was still during the Katrina recovery. And the community college here was not open, back reopened yet. And then um, their their state university um, was not fully, didn't have a ton of classes. And then their two private colleges, Loyola and Tulane, were coming back. And Tulane was trying to build their um, student base back up. So they started doing these adjunct classes and they called it continuing studies. Some of them were after school, um, like a night school. Some of them were with classes with other students. And so um, my neighbor at the time had told me about it because he was um, going to do the law program that way. And so they had public relations and marketing as an option. So I was working full-time for the investment firm and I was going to school either at morning in the morning or at night while pregnant. And I had already made so much progress with that. I'm like, I can't give up. And having a degree from Tulane, while well, the name doesn't mean that much to me, it was important that I finished that. Sure. And so, and I will say, I really fell in love with the culture and the people of New Orleans. Um, well, I was thinking about this today mm-hmm. because you, you're perfect for New Orleans. As much as I want you back here in San Diego, you that's your thing, right? That's mm-hmm. you like that dressing up and all the the hoopla and all that the stuff. The traditions and the, the all that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you're there for that. Um, I want to back up a little bit to the college thing because I, when you tell people you have eight kids, the first couple of questions are, are you Mormon or Catholic? You have <laughs> yeah. a television. I mean, it's bullshit, right, that you get. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's a blended family and this and that. And they said, wow, man, college is going to be expensive. I said, no, because I'm not paying for my kids to go to college. For two, yeah. and I had, and there's, here's my ignorant thought on that is when I, we didn't have college educated people in our family, right? And when I came mm-hmm. out of high school, there was not even a thought, I'm not going to college. Right. There's a, there's a funny story about college and that I won't tell now, but so I just went to work. And um, then I started seeing these people sending their kids to college for exorbitant right i had eight kids i could never mm-hmm. that. yeah and they just drink right they just drink so i used to say look i'm not paying for my kids to go to school to drink now this thing means a lot more to you there's a lot more satisfaction i would assume out of because you did it on your own right if someone would have paid for this obviously you would have loved to have someone pay for it but yeah the reality is as you overcame a lot of stuff going on. You're pregnant. You're moving to a new place. You don't know anybody when you get there. Mm-hmm. You finally get a job. So, and the other thing is, oh, you're going to have to pay for a lot of weddings. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not paying for those. <laughs> so, yeah. um, because most of my kids did not traditionally get, the ones that are married did not do it traditionally. And mm-hmm. they'd have these appetites that I'm like, I'm not, I don't have the money for that. And I have all these kids I'm paying for. So, yeah. Um, but you should be super proud. I know you, I, and I hope you're proud of yourself. We're proud of you too for getting you. You've done this all on your own, Samantha. And here you have now you have a business, you got a child. You have, and let me tell you, having one child or six, one child's hard. Doesn't make a difference. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> having, when, when Piper and Carson are here, it's way easier for me to have these two here than it is when he's by himself or Piper's by herself. Yeah. Because you just don't have to, I don't have the, and it's like two dogs. I have two dogs because I couldn't stand a one dog. Yeah. And I can't even stand a two dogs sometimes, but whatever. Yeah. But um, so I kind of wanted to bring that up for my audience that you kind of did this on your own, right? Was it a perfect exchange? No. And I'll, I'll tell you something about keeping the dad involved. 
your mom and I had a horrible breakup, right? It wasn't. I remember. It was just we were just. <laughs> it wasn't that that we one of us did something wrong. Is that we just hated each other, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A judge told me one time. He says, "You know, the problem is that you guys are so emotionally attached." And I'm like, "No, I'm not emotionally attached to her." He says, "You are. It's just you just hate her. That's the emotion you're using." And it the hate that that animosity just eats you from inside out, right? And mm -hmm. all she wanted to do, all we both wanted to do, is just see our children more yeah. than the other one, right? And it was kind of became yeah. a competition. Yeah. And once I was able to release that and get that off my shoulders, it made the whole relationship different. We get along fine now. Now I don't hang out with her every five minutes, but if we have to communicate, it's not a problem. We wasted so much time arguing, and I've told you this before, and you're learning it. It's just all that energy spent on that hate and that animosity is just wasted energy, right? Yeah, I will say this. To, yeah, go ahead. For a very, very long time, I had a lot of hate as well. Sure. And I made a very conscious decision about two years ago to um, let go of that hate and forgive. I didn't have to tell anyone about it, you yeah. know, but it feels so much better. And in the beginning, thank goodness Taylor was so little, she didn't hear or see any of that. And we, you know, if we ever did, you know, fight or send mean text messages back and forth, we never let Taylor see that that was happening. So I think, you know, if we did anything right, we did that, but yeah. I agree a thousand percent. I, I had, we went to, um, we had to go to do some co-parenting, uh, co-parent counseling and, maybe on like the third or the fourth session or something, the counselor held it back. And she told me the exact same thing the judge told you that I hate him so much. I need to like learn how to let that go. And yeah. it took me like five years to figure out how to do that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a big deal to let that go. And you know, what's crazy. You talked about earlier how you get upset about something and then you let it go and you move on. I do that too. Like I even tell my team normally at work, like if I do something or you you upset me or you do something wrong, we're going to hash it out. And then in five seconds, I'm going to be fine because we got other stuff to do. Life's too short. But for yeah. some reason, I could not let this go. It took me a really long time for some reason to let that go. But oh, I too. feel I mean, a yeah, thousand anyway. times better. Yeah. And, you know, I get I, I feel like now at my age, I go, I just kind of and I and Kit and I are both like this. We're like, eh, you know, it'll, it'll pass. Right. Mm -hmm. It's no big deal. Don't stress. It. Here's a funny thing. So I have my taxes coming up, right? I haven't done my taxes yet. I'm get, this weekend, I'm getting everything together. And I'm kind of worried about them, but there's nothing I can do right now. Yeah, it's already done. Like, yeah. So it's <laughs> like, you know, there's no sense in worrying about it right now. There's no sense in losing sleep or getting angry. And that's a hard thing to teach people. And mm -hmm. but, but it took me a long time, but I'm hoping I'm going to get this over to you kids is that things will pass. They're just... yeah. You never think when your kids are little, they're going to grow up. And how old are you going to be this year? 36. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I look back to me, you guys are all five still, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I look back, so we just got news this weekend that we're having our 15th grandchild. I mean, 15, I can't believe 15, 15. grandchildren, my God. And when, when I just brought up your mom and I go back to when you guys were little, yeah. when you three were the only ones around. And we're arguing about stuff. And now I'm having my 15th grandchild this year. Yeah. It kind of, it looks silly now, but when you're in that moment, you know, you don't know. And when I'm, yeah. when I'm talking to people and trying to give younger people advice, I'm like, just don't get so wound up on this in the, in the moment. It's, it's going to pass, right. you know? Right. 
And um, yeah, so you've done enough. And I'm glad. And I, I talk about this too, lifting that weight of what people think off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. When you, when you're still able working to on that one. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. I had to, it, it took me to, in my 50s, just finally go, you know, I don't fucking care what people think. I'm going to wear whatever I want. I'm going to say whatever I want. My God, I have tattoos all over the place. And it's like, it's just what it is. You know, you mm-hmm. just kind of let, let it go. I don't judge people based on what they look like. That's a lie. Of course I do. <laughs> Everybody does that. Yeah. But I try to say, forget that. Let's see what kind of substance this person has. We yeah. need to give up that and let just people see our substance too. Yeah. And listen, Taylor's dad loves her, right? Yes, of course. And he yeah. would not hurt her in any way. Right. Um, but listen, I get it. I feel the same way about him. You do. So I, I yeah. get it. <laughs> but, you know, when we were out there, you just, I don't have time to argue. I'd rather spend good time with you guys than bad time. Yep. Him, right. Yeah. So good yep. for you. And Taylor's doing fantastic. I know she's doing great. Yes. And she's she's... going to keep getting better. Yeah. So she told, it's funny. She told me um, yesterday that she wanted to be a doctor. Um, yes. A month ago, she wanted to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, she wanted to be a paleontologist. So we're headed in the right direction. <laughs> so here's the funny thing. Okay. <laughs> Last year in, in Piper's class, I went there and talked about my business, right? It was uh-huh. about brilliant marketing ideas. And I went around the room and asked these kids what they wanted to be. And this is the, the this is what we lose when we get older and mm-hmm. there's kids that say i want to play in the nba and i want to play in the yeah, uh, nfl and i want to be a, a fireman and a cop right so these i'm going around and this is the brilliance of being young right and there was one kid that was funnier than hell this one kid sitting in the back with these little nerdy glasses on and i think his shirt was buttoned all the way to the top <laughs> and i said well what do you want to be and he was very shy he says i want to work on computers and I wanted to say to the class, you'll all be working for him eventually, but <laughs> right, it was yeah. the funniest thing. But yeah. then as we get older and we start asking kids what they want, like in high school, I asked Carson, he's now he's getting, his confidence is now starting to get affected, right? He's starting to worry about what people think. He's starting to worry about, so it's, it's, don't you wish we could just go back to that, you know? And, and here's the thing, Taylor could be all of those things over the years, right? Right. She could be a doctor that's also a paleontologist. It's also this and also that. And we as parents want to go, well, you should get into something that's really steady. Right. That's what we're going to say to her. That's what you're going to say to her. I'm not, I'm going to tell her to follow. I'm going to tell her to have one. So I was listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger yesterday about not having a plan B. If she asked me, I'm going to say, what's, what do you want to do? Plan A is the only thing. That's the only option. You're going to say as a parent, well, you need to have some things, you know, in case this doesn't work out. It's the worst well, so it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because <laughs> when she was saying, talking about all the engineering stuff. So here we have public schools, but most kids go to private school. We're not going to say right. most. A large percentage of kids go to uh, private school. And so with that, we get to kind of pick where she goes since we're paying the tuition. So the school that she picked is one of the only schools in the state that's like the STEM accredited um, and has all this like cool technology stuff. And they even have like engineering things like built in. So when she wanted to be an engineer, I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's look at all these different kinds of engineer things that you can, can do. And then she threw the doctor thing at me. And I was like, Taylor, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to go 
I'm not a doctor. I did not go to Stanford. And so um, she made me record it and bet that she wasn't going to change her mind. But I, I guarantee she's going to change her mind again, which is fine. She's exploring all the things and I'm learning okay. so much. Yeah. Stuff, so, yeah. But, you know, we have to, uh, I'm always, I'm constantly. So when I watch, I have a whole different view of the school district now versus when you guys were in school. I'm watching Carson get told college, college, college. It's the only way to go. It's the only way to go. And I'm thinking, listen, Carson, you're very creative. You're very artistic. You have the ability to do things other people wish they could do. And we need to keep you on that path. I, I swear I'm almost ready to try to get him into like a high tech high or something because yeah, he doesn't think like those, like I did. I doesn't think like you did. He has this whole different artistic level which his yep. mother has too, but didn't yes. use it. And which a couple other kids I have too, didn't use it. And I, I don't, I hope they don't regret that later that um, they can't do, they didn't let their artistic like personality blossom. And I'm really encouraging him. I'm not so concerned about math and English and all those things. I'm really pushing him towards, I'm not, not really pushing him, but I'm really encouraging that art piece, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She likes doing all the artsy stuff too. I mean, she's playing her piano now, but I think uh, she loves like the math and science stuff. When you get a chance, listen to my podcast about with Damani. He's 15 years mm -hmm. old. He just released his first album. Mm -hmm. He's 15 years old. And he learned yeah. his parents have really been a good, uh, encouraging thing. So, all right. So let's go back to, uh, all these kids, I can't, it's, it's amazing to me how different all of you are and the choices you've made and everything growing up in the same house, even political, politically, your attitudes towards politics, right? Now you're in politics. I mean, yes. you're the only one in politics and probably the only one that will ever be in politics of my children, right? I don't, I think. So you have kind of a little bit different perspective on how things work as communities and parishes or counties or whatever you want to call them now. How is, how interesting or frustrating is that or both? Oh, um, the last election I think was stressful. Um, I let myself get a little too sucked in. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, People are like, oh, everyone, it's a swamp and everyone's politicizing it. And they're just all, all politicians are bad. And working for a couple of them, they're not all bad. They're, right. you know, I do see why they get, you know, that impression and why that comes across, but they really aren't all bad. Um, and they really can make good things happen. The problem is, is that there's, everyone has a different need or a different want and ask. And so it's trying to find that happy medium which you're never ever going to find right um but you know sometimes we just have to stop and listen to each other a little bit more and i think we can get a lot more accomplished that way um and i've had the you know privilege of working with people especially now someone who does do that and i really do believe has the best interest of the people that he is elected by in in mind so um a lot of people don't like it because they think it's dirty and grimy and, and yucky, but I really do enjoy it. I, you know, I want to leave the world a better place um, than when I got here. And so that's, I'm hoping I can do that at least in this role that I'm in now. Well, good. I think that um, what, I think two things that frustrate me the most about politics is when 
California has made some decisions on things that were based on what voters voted for. And then they have judges come in and change the law, right? Change what was voted on. That's frustrating. Yeah. The other thing is, I think it would be hard for me when I was, I've been asked to be on boards of the Chamber of Commerce and other places. And I don't, I'm not necessarily a big fan of collective um, agreements, right? So I have things the way I do them. And if they don't agree with me, I don't want to do it their way. That is the most selfish thing anybody could ever say. But it's just the fact that it's like with the Knights of Columbus, too, is the same way. I don't necessarily want to do what they've collectively um, decided to do, because I still think it's the wrong thing to do. Is it hard? Have you had a situation mm-hmm. where the politicians you're working for have a very clear vision of what they want, but the voters choose something else? How do you handle that? You know what I mean? So, I mean let's say, I, I don't um, know, I yeah. Word, let's say here <laughs> it, was, it was immigration, okay? So we had a, a law about immigration that was passed, and they just went to a judge, and the judge says, no. You can't do that, but the people voted for it and they changed the law. I don't know if you've had any instances like that. No, unfortunately we have not had something like that here. I think, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, and I don't want to get you in a situation where you're making a political Yeah, no, no, because that's, so I don't really I, want to do politics, but. Yeah. At local government level, just because I think some people don't understand the how it works, really, to be honest. So local government, your mayor, your council people, they affect your day-to-day life. They're the ones that are making sure um, you're getting water and sewer and that the street sign is where it's supposed to be and that there's a stop sign there. Um, and that, you know, your the taxes that you're paying, um, they call millages for like... Um, mosquito control or, or things like that, those are the kinds of things that they are affecting or, um, you know, I'm, yeah, or what you pay for your, your water rates. The, those bigger things, that's when it, and why it gets so complicated because um, uh, there is just so many other people involved and so many other opinions about it. So uh, at local government, you don't normally have those because um, those votes directly do affect you at the end of the day. And, and your job is really to listen to the people. And so, um, you know, we had, we did a moratorium on building homes in St. Charles Parish for a little while because we were having so much flooding from this torrential downpours that we were getting that were um, not forecasted. And it was not popular by the people that build houses the people that sell houses course, right. um, and things and things like that. But there was a resounding, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a resounding um, message from residents that they needed, they wanted to see something happen. And so while, it, like I said, while it wasn't popular, I even think some of the council people that weren't necessarily for it, maybe begrudgingly is the wrong word, but they listen to what their voter base was saying. And that's really how it's supposed to be. It doesn't always work out like that, but that's that's how it should be. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on that is, because I really hate politics. I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, you and I are probably about exactly the same on politics. So for you and I yeah, to talk Yeah, pretty close it, probably. Pretty yeah. close. Mm-hmm. Pow, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even recognize Powie right now. So. Yeah. They have apartments on, the, they're building apartments down the road and 
and multi-purpose buildings and things like that. And it all happened kind of at the same time. The thing about Poway and probably any community around there is night, I would say 60% of the people have no clue what's even going on because they're not interested. So they just kind of let everything else, you know, so you got, you might have, you know, 40% of the people voting on, on things. And those people are probably uninformed at the same time. So when stuff happens and all of a sudden they see it physically, they're like, oh shit, what are you guys doing? What's wrong with you? And you're like, hey, you, you know, we put it to vote. You guys didn't vote. You know, that's kind of what happened. I think, I think that's the thing that gets me the most frustrated is that people will complain, yet they're not involved in the process. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I think no matter whether you think the last election was good or wrong or, or right or wrong, <clears throat> if you look at it, the election was determined by like less than 50,000 votes out of like, you know, how many million? So if 50,000 people would have voted a different way, it would be a different country today. Right. So when people say, oh, my vote, my vote, or my voice doesn't matter, it actually does. And so because I control the communications for our parish, um, it sometimes is challenging to respond to residents when they're angry about certain things, knowing that they don't come to council meetings, they don't um, engage in the process right. um, when, when we go above and beyond to make sure that there's an opportunity for them to do that. So, you know, I would say if anyone who doesn't like politics or, you know, doesn't understand it, get involved because that's the only way that you really can make change happen and and don't just go on social media and complain about it <laughs> i know and and i and, <clears throat> and with that being said though i think that if we if you sit there any just joe america right sits there and waits for the government to make decisions in their best interest i think that's foolish i think listen, yeah. we've had a lot of people that have been successful during covid a lot of people that weren't so successful a lot of people mm-hmm. you just you know, I just wrote another speech that I'm going to try to get out there. It's, it's really about personal responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. We all have things holding us back from getting to that next level, whatever that limitation is, or we're not telling our story, we're making excuses. It doesn't matter what the government does. It could be the worst, the worst government in the world, but we can still make progress in areas of our own life, right? We're either religiously mm-hmm. or physically or whatever, whatever, you know, toot your horn. And I think we find ourselves blaming, you know, it's like these gas prices. I tell you, gas was a dollar, a dollar gallon when I started driving, like 89 cents, dollar 21, something like that. It's only gone up five times. The house that my parents bought that I sold was, went up 30 times. Right. So um, the gas situation will get straight. This will get straight. That will get straight. This will get or whatever, or you make more money. I mean, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you want a new car, you work harder and you, you know, we can't keep blaming other people for our situation. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to how you were talking earlier, how, you know, people ask like, how did you do it with eight kids? You figure out a way to do it. And I think for some reason we've lost that over, you know, the last yeah. couple of decades or so. Um, Cause life hasn't been hard for us. Um, life has actually been really a piece of cake for a lot of people. And I say that not that it, there's struggles, but we have, yeah. we have central air conditioning. We have ice whenever we want it. We have access to anything in the world via the internet. We have instant gratification of having food delivered to us at whatever time of day that you want, because you're hungry and you're too lazy to get in your car and go get it. So, you know, I talk about we, um, my next podcast is going to be about business coaches and sales trainers and all this thing. 
And know, here's the thing. If you're not right with yourself, if you're out of shape or you're whatever, whatever is bothering you, if you're in a bad relationship, whatever, and you go and you hire a sales trainer or, or a personal coach or a, you know, life coach or whatever, you're, if you're not right, you're, you can't assimilate that information yeah, and make the best out you. of it anyway. So the first thing right. you need to do is get yourself right. Right. And that's, that's mm-hmm. exactly what you just said. When we look back, when people do say that to us and Kit and I will kind of talk about this sometimes. It's like, I don't know. I just, what was my option? Oh, you guys can't eat tonight. You know, I mean, we just, that was just well, so, our life. Yeah. You know what? I miss that life. Be honest with you we're not mm-hmm. empty nesters but i missed the busy busyness and i really missed it the last two years it's the busyness of our life right just the constant and yeah when people when i got this new job people said oh you're going to not do the podcast or the speaking and i said oh no i'm doing it all because i perform at a lot higher yeah. level when i've got a hundred things to do and i'm behind all the time that's where and you have to identify that. Like, we are the same person. I know. <laughs> we are the same person. When I have a and it's funny because my... Do, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. I was just going to say, because, you know, um, I constantly, at least in previous jobs, I've always found it challenging to find someone that um, I have to keep up with. Mm-hmm. I feel like I outgrow the position too quickly. And I know people say that's a generational thing because people of my generation like to hop jobs every two years because bigger and better thing. Mine was more like, I want more work. And so with my boss now, he is uh, 32 and he has as much energy as I do and, and is just as much of a busy body as I am. And so it's I, it's crazy because I call it fun because I really do like it, but it is challenging because there's always something you know, before we started, you asked me how work was. And I said, it's crazy. And I'm waiting for that break. But deep down, I don't want that break because I, I like and the that's, pace. And that's where COVID really um, affected me is that we oh, I went yeah, from 100 miles an hour <laughs> to zero. And I'm like, oh, shit, what do I do now? Now, um, Kit has been working through COVID. And, you know, she works out of the house and everything. And she likes that, that robotic repetitiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Gets yeah. up at the same time, starts at the same time fuck, it drives me crazy. I, I want to be, you know, just like this all the time. And I know, yeah. and I'm just, I'm laying in bed trying to figure out how many, if I have time to do 20 things tomorrow, I'm trying to figure out 40 things to do, right? Yeah. So I need yeah. to stay busy. So, um, no, I'm glad. And I'll, I'll tell you more about the job later, but uh, no, it's good. I'm, I'm And I'm, the podcast is going to get bigger and better. The speaking thing's going to come because I'm getting involved in organizations. I'm going to have opportunities to do that. So, and we'll get out there and see you hopefully this year. And um, I, you know, when I taught, when Paige did her podcast, Paige just kind of has a, has a, uh, I almost said weird agenda. That's not fair to her. It's her agenda, right? Paige has yeah. just very different personality than you. Talking to yeah. you is like just looking in a mirror. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're prettier. Um, I just, it's, it's like, I could say things and you'll probably know what I'm going to say before I say it. Right? Yep. Basically. <laughs> So, um, and, and not all the kids are like that. I'm probably, you're probably the most like me out of any of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanner is doing great by the way. He's, but he's one of those guys too. He's got to have a hundred things to do. He cannot. Succeed. He does. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he won't even take a drink to calm down. He, he doesn't even do that. So, yeah. He, so he's got, his mind is going over. We got to bring him to the dark side on the whole drinking thing. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> no, I was thinking of, uh, we were thinking about going out and seeing him and then driving over to Louisiana 
because he's in, you know he's in Texas. Yeah, so, yeah. I think it's yeah. only like uh, six hours away. So we'll figure out how to do that. I'm not I'm not uh, opposed to coming out there again for Thanksgiving. So keep that in the back of your mind. Wait, so Ziggy just said um, the other day, he's like, man, we had such a good time when your dad was out here for Thanksgiving. It was perfect. Like, was it the perfect amount of time? We did, you know, the perfect amount of things. And and even then it was during COVID. So if you guys can, so we again, we'd have, have more some more stuff to do. Yeah. And here's, here's the thing as a father-in-law, as a dad, right? I don't want to come, I don't want to bother you guys. It's like, um, I hope, I, so it, I'll back up a little bit. So Carson goes to the gym with us, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Carson, you sure you want to go with, I'm your, I'm your grandfather, you know? He's like, no, no, it's cool, you know? He's like, I said, because I don't, I just don't want to be that grandfather that takes him to the gym, but I don't look yeah. like, you know, I'm not 75 years old. Yeah. And he's like, Papa, he says, you look so mean at the gym. Like, no one's <laughs> So, because I have my hat backwards uh. and I don't smile or anything with tattoos. And, <laughs> but I don't want to come out there and like burden you guys like, oh shit, they're going to be here. No, it was, days. no, it was great. Yeah. And this way, if, if we come out this year, we'll have, we can go do more stuff, right? So we were kind of limited yes. to what we could do. We sat around. Yeah, look, Kit got to see what it's like when it um, flash floods here. Remember when yeah. I took her to the grocery store and the, was like, is the car going to flood? Oh, yeah, like, you no, okay. <laughs> I just, um, I just don't want to ever be intruding, right? Uh, that, that parent that comes Never. in and intrudes. I don't want to do that. So look, no one has ever, no one else has ever stayed in our guest bedroom except you and Kit. So it's officially y'all's room. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> um, no, and I, like, you know, Ziggy has his routine and I don't want to upset that. And, um, but no, I think this this year would even be better because I think we're gonna have opportunities to do more stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys took us around; it was fun. So um, anyway, I mean, we can continue this podcast, or we can. I mean, I don't know. It's the, the the worst thing about you and I is, like I said, we're like two peas in a pod, so it's kind of hard to keep it going. But um, no, I think everybody kind of got the gist of who you are. And, and I'm so proud of you, Samantha, what you're doing out there. Um. You're this superstar mom, and wife, and business person. And I just want you to keep that up and know that we're supporting you 100%. And I always knew you could do whatever you want to do. I'm thinking Samantha DeCastro for, for president. Let's see what year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm going to do all that, but uh, we'll I might see be what dead happens. By then, but how about a senator yeah. or something? Yeah, I've we'll told see people what before, I, I think know. that my daughter will end up. You know, you might want to do that. And, you know, I know you'll stay honest and do all those things. But just not to get off on another tangent, but can you imagine these congressmen or senators that get into office with this really good heart, right? And some mm -hmm. uh, lobbyist comes along and says, look, we can give you 30 or $40 million if you just sign this bill and you don't have to do anything and it'll be under the covers and all that stuff. How That's tough, right? That's got to be tough for a politician to go. I mean, they could retire on that. I don't know. I, I, you know that stuff's going on. Yeah, so that is really, really unethical. I think what really happens is, okay. you know, I think, I think this contractor takes you to lunch or this person, you know, goes and does this for you and make sure you get invited to this thing, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's kind of, you know, that's, what, that's how it starts at least. And so being in the um, sales world, I have a situation, I have a, I know of a friend, I have to be careful how I say this because I don't want anybody to know who this friend is, um, who to get government contracts, they were giving some pretty cool 
gift cards, we'll say. Swag. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is yeah. better than swag. Yeah. And um, they got caught and went to prison for 18 months. And the guy's a good yeah. guy. He's, he's, he's yeah. a good person. And uh, probably didn't mean anything by it. So when I was selling to Pepsi, they came to us and said, um, they sent out a letter to all the vendors and said, you can, if you go to lunch with one of our people, you have to go Dutch. They really yep, jumped on this thing and said, you can't do this anymore, right? Yep. And when I was in the HVAC business, we, I never, I'd take people to lunch, but not, uh, we didn't do trips and like fishing trips and stuff, but the, our competitors yeah. did. So they've kind of, a lot of that stopped in your normal everyday business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll get people that say, look, I'll just pay for my own coffee. It's just, I don't, that's not what I'm, why I'm taking them. I'm taking yeah. them to get some captive time, right? Yeah. I have an expense account. The companies usually don't care about that. But mm-hmm. it's, um, but yeah, that's not a, obviously a huge scale that we've had to, uh, as salespeople, kind of back off on. And I wouldn't do a lot of the things. Somebody at, at work at this new job just said uh, about drinking. I said, you know what? I've never taken a customer to lunch in 30 years of being a salesman and had an alcoholic beverage. And they're like, really? Yeah. I said, I just, I usually because I was out of town and I didn't want to get disoriented out of town. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, you don't drink? I said, oh, no, I drink. I just don't drink with customers. It's funny you say that because um, I, a female in a pretty male dominated world, yeah. especially in Southeast Louisiana, I'm always very cautious about that. And to any female or young female listening, going into business, I have, if it's a night something, I have a one drink minimum for myself. And after that, it's soda water with a lime. So it looks yeah. like I'm drinking, but you know, there might be a situation where if I'm at a conference and I, my hotel room is there, but even then I never lose my bearings because you just never want to be put in that position. Well, but, and that's yeah. even for guys. I mean, you, you're, you're there to do, you're they're there to do business. And I know that sounds maybe prudish um, or whatever, but I, I don't know. I just would never, I'm with you. Well, I'm, I'm I'm not, that position. You know, I'm twice, I'm twice the age of some of these sales guys that work with us now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I, I've done, I've been there and done that. I already know, but there's pitfalls. And we would go on these national sales meetings where there'd be salespeople from all over the U.S. at this one location. And there was always that asshole that got drunk and like crashed mm-hmm. a golf cart, a cart or a golf cart, or did something stupid. And I was very good about watching myself, you know, when that's when that stuff would start to go down. And um, I was always conscious of representing the company too. I didn't want to embarrass yeah. the company and um, or lose my job. I mean, you know, that's kind of a thing you want to think about. Yeah, yeah, kind of need that. But <laughs> women, as um, you know, having seven daughters and a wife and a mom and sisters, I uh, I could see. Yeah, that's that's trouble. I mean, when these when these yeah. lawsuits come out and these news stories come out about that, I'm like, yeah, guys do that shit. I've seen it happen. And I yeah. would stop if I, if I saw it. I'd stop it. And say no, get away from her. You know, uh, I was I was at a uh, mixer on Tuesday night, and I ended up talking to a gal about your age for you know twenty minutes or so. Just about she's in the lab business, mm-hmm. and uh, you could see guys like gravitating towards her. You know, and um, I hope I wasn't that weirdo that was. I was talking to her about life. So anyway, yeah, you probably weren't that weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, I never want to be that weirdo. That's why I don't want to be that yeah. in-law either that comes and goes, hey, we're here. Shitter's full, you know, out in front of you. <laughs> I was going to say, we didn't pour the slab, so you can't come uh, and yeah. stay in a camper, but you can come stay in the house for a little bit. <laughs> you didn't, 
We need to get that slab cord so I can come in. <laughs> Is your dad leaving anytime soon? He's been here for six months. No, I'm not, <laughs> not doing that. I wish I had the money just to travel around in the motorhome, but I don't know if I'd, I could do that for about three months and I'd be going nuts. Yeah, me too. I don't know how long I would last doing that. All right, beautiful. I wish, uh, I'm so happy you're on my podcast. This will be a good podcast. When I share it, please share it with all your friends. They want to yes. kind of see your life and see what's, what's happened. Um, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. I know your time's limited and, uh, and we'll, we'll probably do it again at some level, but uh, man, I wish I was could just, you know, be next door to you and run over and hug you. But listen, you know, now that pages and pages in Oregon, Tanner's in Texas, Texas. you're in Louisiana. I want the best for you guys. I want you to be in your best situation. And um, I wish everybody lived here, but that's not the case. And that's okay. There's airplanes and trains and cars and all those. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so um, hopefully at some point we get to a chance where we can just bounce around and see all you guys. But listen, I'm so happy for your success. You've got plenty more to come. You're still young. And uh, younger than I, you know, I, I just can't believe I have a 36-year-old daughter at one level <laughs> because that makes me older, right? Yeah. So you're doing fantastic. <laughs> so let me do an outro here, and I'll put your information in for Satasi and all that. So this is the okay. Ed Franklin No Limits podcast. Uh, this is my oldest daughter, Samantha DeCastro, and she lives in Louisiana, and she's the bomb, and I'm so proud of her and what she's done. So if you want to contact me, edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest or know somebody that uh, be a guest. And if what's your email address for your earrings? It's it's Satazi Jewelry at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Satazi Jewelry. S-A-T-A-Z-I Jewelry. That's right. And there's, you can tell it's Samantha. Taylor Ziggy, and Ziggy. And Taylor, yeah. Samantha yeah. Taylor and Ziggy. So order. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you. We'll see you all soon and um, wait for the next podcast. It's going to be a good one.